Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It has been a head-spinning day of major breaking news out of the Middle East. Today, a third group of hostages was released as part of a four-day temporary truce between Israel and Hamas. We learned one of those hostages is American toddler Abigail Moore Adan, who turned just four years old on Friday while in captivity. Now she is free. As the deal stands right now, 50 total hostages are promised release in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners. Now, this is the first truce after weeks and weeks of fighting and a rare moment of positive news since the start of the war. But tomorrow is day four of this four-day pause. So the question is, what happens on day five, day six, day seven? The Israeli military has urged civilians who fled to southern Gaza not to return home and has warned them that the IDF is still preparing for the next phase of the war once this pause ends. Already, over 14,000 have been killed in Gaza, according to health officials there. This truce has allowed both hostages to leave Gaza and much-needed aid to be brought in. A flow of aid trucks has entered Gaza under the protection of the ceasefire, bringing some relief for civilians who have been suffering as their supplies of food, water, and medicine run short. And although some aid is making its way in, the World Health Organization says much more is needed. So right now, even during these moments of some joy, Major questions remain about the families still waiting, the hostages still held captive, and the civilians still trapped in dire conditions. Today, President Biden spoke about the release of these hostages, including four-year-old Abigail. And I want to play a long portion of those remarks, and I'll talk to Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer on the other side. Two days ago, two days ago, one of our fellow Americans, a little girl named Abigail, who turned four years old, She spent her birthday, that birthday, and at least 50 days before that, held hostage by Hamas. Today, she's free, and Jill and I, together with so many Americans, are praying for the fact that she is going to be all right. You know, she's free, and she's in Israel now. And uh, so those who are now uh, wrapping Abigail in love and care and the supportive services she needs, She's been through a terrible trauma. You know, her mom was killed in front of her when her, when her kibbutz was uh, attacked by Hamas terrorists on October the 7th. Abigail ran to her dad then, who then was gunned down, gunned down as well, while using his body to shield little Abigail. She then ran to a neighbor for help, where they were all taken hostage. The, that entire house of neighbors were taken hostage by Hamas and held for 50 days. What she endured is unthinkable. Abigail was among 13 hostages released today from Gaza under the brokered and sustained, though intensive, U.S. diplomacy. She's now safely in Israel, and we continue to press and expect for additional Americans will be released as well. And we will not stop working until every hostage is returned to their loved ones. As I said when I spoke about this deal on Friday, 
This has been the product of a lot of hard work and weeks of personal engagement for me and my team. We have been in close contact with the leaders of Qatar, Egypt, and Israel, speaking with each one of them repeatedly over the past few weeks to help secure this deal. We spoke again yesterday with the Emir of Qatar, I owe special thanks to, in order to keep the hostage release on track and push for Abigail to be part of this release. And I'll be speaking again shortly with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And we will continue to remain personally engaged, personally engaged to see that this deal is fully implemented and work to extend the deal as well. For weeks, I've been advocating to pause in the fighting for two purposes, to increase the assistance getting into the Gaza civilians who need help, and to facilitate release of hostages. And we know that innocent children in Gaza are suffering greatly as well because this war that Hamas has unleashed is so, has such consequences. Thousands have been killed, and from the earliest days of this crisis, I've worked closely with President Sisi of Egypt, the Israeli government, King Abdullah of Jordan, and leaders throughout the region to expand the delivery of critical humanitarian assistance to help innocent Palestinians in need who are not part of Hamas. Under this deal, <coughs> fighting in Gaza has now been paused for three days. Over that time, 58 hostages have been released, including the Thai, a Filipino, and Russian nationals. Dozens of families have been reunited. And we worked urgently, urgently to take advantage of the pause to surge aid into Gaza. We've moved approximately 200 aid trucks into Gaza each day, loaded with food, water, medicine, fuel, and cooking gas. More is needed, but this deal is delivering life-saving results. Critically needed aid is going in, and hostages are coming out. And this deal is structured so that it can be extended to keep building on these results that's my goal. That's our goal, to keep this pause going beyond tomorrow so that we can continue to see more hostages come out and surge more humanitarian relief into, into those in, who in need in Gaza. We've seen this is the day-by-day -day approach, hour-by-hour process. Nothing is guaranteed and nothing is being taken for granted. But the proof that this is working and worth pursuing further is in every smile and every grateful tear we see on the faces of those families who are finally getting back together again. And the proof is little Abigail. More than 20 other children, 18 years and younger, have been released. They've been released through this deal as well. They've endured a terrible ordeal, and they can now begin the long journey toward healing. And I'm going to continue working with the Emir of Qatar, President Sisi of Egypt, and Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel to do everything possible to see the hostages are freed, all the hostages. I'm grateful for the personal partnership as we pursue this deal from each of those men I just mentioned. And as we've worked together to see, the, see all this implemented and now to try to extend it further. I'll continue working with all our partners to take the hard but necessary steps to build an integrated and more prosperous and more peaceful future in the region, a two-state solution is the only way to guarantee the long-term security of both Israelis and Palestinian people, to make sure Israel and Palestinians alike live in equal measure of freedom and dignity. We'll not give up on working toward that goal. So thank you very much. But thank God she's home. The little, <laughs> I just can't imagine the enjoyment. And the, I, I just I wish I were there to hold her. Mr. President, do you have an update on the other Americans who are being held in any sense as to when they would be released? 
we are hopeful, but I don't have anything firmly to tell you at this moment. Sir, do you expect that if you are able to use this momentum to extend the pause, have you extracted any guarantees about proof of life for other hostages, or do you have an expectation of how much longer you could push this pause? Well, look, you know the deal calls for for every for every 10 hostages released to extend another day. So I'm hopeful this is not the end. It's going to continue. But we don't know. And uh, But I get a sense that um, all the players in the region, even the neighbors who aren't and have been directly involved now, are looking for a way to end this so the hostages are all released and Hamas is is completely, uh, how can I say it, no longer in control of any portion of Gaza. Joining me now is White House Principal Deputy National Security Advisor John Feiner. John, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And I know this must have been a hectic morning for you. I, I wanted to start just with the news of the return of a four-year-old American, Abigail Moridan, who is among the hostages, as the president just talked about, who is returning home. I, I wanted to ask you if you, there's a couple of, there's nine other Americans who are held either by Hamas or other militant groups. Do you anticipate tomorrow when there's another day of this uh, pause that there could be additional Americans released? Uh, thanks, Jen. As you say, this is a, a rare bit of good news in a situation that remains uh, very difficult uh, overall. Uh, as you said, uh, Israeli and other uh, families, including American families, still worried about their loved ones in harm's way and, and some uh, that are mourning, including Abigail's family, who got her back but is still mourning uh, the, the murder of her parents uh, by Hamas and obviously incredibly difficult circumstances in Gaza uh, for Palestinian families uh, as well, many of whom uh, have lost uh, family members. Uh, in terms of where this all goes uh, from here, we know that there are two other Americans who meet the criteria uh, that the agreement is based on, women and children, 50 women and children, who would come out in the early days, uh, four days of, of agreement between Israel and Hamas. But we are reluctant to make uh, predictions about exactly who and exactly when. We are dealing, uh, as you know, with a terrorist group, uh, so there is no trust involved in this. We have to see who actually uh, ends up getting transferred to the Red Crescent, Red Cross, and then uh, moved out of the country. And until we actually see those uh, people move. As the president said, we do not want to get ahead of uh, any of this because it's not fair to the families to, to indicate uh, confirmation of things until we actually know what's happening. I think what you're saying, John, is that, well, you'll believe it when you see it and you're, uh, you don't want to get too ahead of where the process is at this point in time. I, I wanted to ask you about where these hostages could be held, because there, the numbers have been around 240 for some time. Uh, about Hamas is saying that uh, about 100 could be held by other militant groups. The president was just asked about this. D did you have any confirmation of how many are with Hamas and how many are with other groups? And how confident are you about Hamas's ability to work with these other groups to get these hostages back? So one of the very difficult, many very difficult aspects of, of this uh, whole arrangement is that we do not have a lot of fidelity, a lot of clarity about the condition uh, of the hostages or exactly where they're held. We believe that a large number of them, maybe the majority, are held by Hamas, but we think that there are also a significant number of hostages uh, held by other groups. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is one, and there may be uh, other hostages in, in uh, custody of other smaller armed uh, terrorist groups inside Gaza. So uh, just the sheer logistics of assembling all these people in one place, transferring them uh, to the Red Cross, 
uh, and then uh, transiting them across the border, either into Egypt and into Israel, is something that takes hours and hours of work. There are snags uh, that, that occur uh, every day during the course of trying to execute this. We work through those snags uh, with our international partners, the Qataris, the Egyptians, the Israelis, uh, and others, and, and try to get done uh, what has been agreed. And we'll do that exact same uh, thing tomorrow. And if the deal is, is extended and Hamas is willing to transfer more hostages, which we urge them uh, to do if they would like to uh, maintain a degree of calm and pause in Gaza, uh, we will continue doing that day after day because the president has said it is our priority to get as many of these people out uh, as we absolutely can. The president, during his remarks, said very clearly that our goal, as in the goal of the United States, is to keep this deal going as long as hostages are released. The end of the deal is tomorrow. Do you anticipate at this point that it will continue until at least Tuesday? So I can't improve, uh, Jen, on what the president said about this. I I think it's exactly right. Uh, As long as Hamas is willing to continue releasing hostages, we believe that this deal can be extended and and will be extended. Whether they are willing to do that remains to be seen. I've I've seen the comments uh, made by the government of Egypt. I think we have also heard uh, indications that it is possible that they will be willing to continue releasing people beyond uh, the uh, end of the deal, uh, which, as you said, is tomorrow. But again, until uh, that is agreed and until that that is executed, uh, I don't want to get ahead of things and start making predictions. But that will be a very intensive focus of our time and the president's time. I can't overstate how personally involved directly involved he has been in every aspect of this uh, and will remain so uh, again until all of these people are out. I do want to ask you about that because he talked about his diplomacy and his engagement. We've seen the readouts of calls. But is your what the president said about the desire to continue this deal or continue this pause, is that also the view of Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Israelis? So the president has uh, spoken almost daily uh, with Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, on a very regular basis uh, about this. Our understanding uh, is that the Israelis are open, again, to continuing this pause if Hamas uh, agrees to continue transferring uh, prisoners. But I'll lead the uh, uh, hostages. I'll lead the leave the actual confirmation of all of this uh, to the two parties. That negotiation, again, is, is ongoing, will continue. It is our view that if hostages continue to be released, the pause uh, should continue. And, and to the president's uh, involvement, as you just said, I think it's important you know, to note something that happened the other day where the president was asked uh, during a news conference he was giving after he met with Xi Jinping of China for an update on the hostage deal. And he said, well, I'm reluctant to give you too many more details because I have been uh, tied up for the last four hours, so I don't have the latest. Now, he was tied up, obviously, talking uh, to President Xi of of China, but that just gives you some indication of how closely he is following this, that four hours uh, goes by and and he uh, believes that he uh, needs even further up-to-date information before he can comment. He's really following this hour by hour uh, in a direct way. You know, and I've been there not for this, obviously, but for past moments where the president has been very engaged in diplomacy. Give us a sense. I mean, is he spending hours in the Situation Room, back and forth into the Oval Office, getting 10 updates a day, six updates a day, constantly on the phone? What is happening behind the scenes? Yeah, so as as you can probably picture very well, uh, based on your experience, uh, the president's national security team has been in and out of uh, the Oval Office, providing him updates. Uh, also, during the course of the last few days, uh, during the Thanksgiving holiday, providing him with uh, near constant updates uh, by secure phone. When we get more information, we transfer it directly to him. We get his guidance. If we think it's useful uh, for him to make a phone call to, to push or to counsel uh, one of his, his foreign counterparts, one of the uh, fellow heads of state, we have him do that. Uh, and he has he has made, as you said, a number of calls directly on this issue to try to make sure things stay on track. And, and uh, for him, I think that's going to have to continue over the days ahead if we are going to uh, finish the execution of this first phase of the deal and, and ideally extend it. 
One of the arguments Prime Minister Netanyahu has made publicly is that the military campaign put the necessary pressure on Hamas to actually release hostages, or he was making this argument in the lead up. Is that an argument that the United States agrees with? Uh, however it ended up getting done. I think we think the military campaign has played a role. We think that diplomacy uh, probably has played the, the largest role uh, behind the scenes, quiet diplomacy, but very firm and, and very direct. We are now in a place uh, that many people did not think we could be, which is a genuine pause uh, in the fighting that is enabling, uh, by the way, not just the release of, of hostages, but also uh, the, the significant expansion of the amount of humanitarian assistance uh, that's going into Gaza. We have never conditioned that assistance on a hostage deal. We have said that that assistance should go in and should go in in significant amounts regardless. But the fact that there isn't as much fighting uh, going on in Gaza over the course of the past few days has meant uh, a dramatic ramp up in assistance that is making uh, a lives a bit easier for the Palestinian people who remain in, in Gaza, including hundreds of thousands of people, as you know, who have been uh, displaced from their homes. We've had uh, more than 200 trucks uh, of assistance go in over the last couple of days. That is far more than was the case uh, before the hostage deal. And we would like that to be able to continue as well. One of the challenges, one of the many challenges, is the lack of visibility into what's actually happening on the ground in Gaza. And there have been a range of reports of casualty numbers, including the estimates of up to 15,000. Does the United States have an estimate of the number of casualties in Gaza at this point in time, or is that not information we even have from the government? I mean, c candidly, uh, uh, sort of like uh, what I said about the hostages and their condition uh, themselves, because we are not on the ground uh, in Gaza and because we don't speak directly uh, with authorities there, uh, we don't have the ability to give uh, accurate uh, uh, estimates that we can verify of, of things like casualty numbers. What I can say is we believe, uh, as has been reported um, uh, everywhere, that the casualty numbers are historically high, uh, beyond the level that we have seen in other uh, conflicts in, in Gaza, and that there are a large number of innocents, uh, tragically, who have been killed in this conflict. And, and that is something uh, that, that all of us, I think, take incredibly seriously, that we speak uh, directly to the government of Israel about, uh, in terms of how they are prosecuting this war and how uh, they may continue prosecuting this war, if and when this ceasefire uh, that has occurred for the last four days, uh, this pause uh, ultimately ends. Uh, but, but it is uh, quite obvious to everyone uh, that the level of suffering uh, is quite high. Now, I should also say the predicate for this, this phase of the conflict, uh, what occurred inside Israel, uh, the 1,200 or more uh, Israelis who were killed uh, by a Hamas terrorist attack is also an historically high number, uh, a predicate that is, is really unprecedented uh, for previous Gaza uh, conflicts. And that's uh, the reason why we are in such a, a severe situation right now. White House Principal Deputy National Security Advisor John Feiner, I know this is a very difficult situation with difficult questions. You just have to line a lot of them, but some moments of joy. So congratulations to all of you in the role you helped play. In Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Some of these hostages home. 
For those of you who just are joining us, we're continuing to follow breaking news out of today's hostage release in Gaza. Four-year-old American Abigail Idan is now in Israel. She's among 17 hostages just released by Hamas, the Israeli government confirming that that in the past hour. I want to bring in two people who have been involved in these type of negotiations on behalf of the U.S. government. Joining me now, former CIA director for President Obama, John Brennan, and former deputy national security advisor to President Obama, Ben Rhodes. So, Director Brennan, I want to start with you because I think we're we're all trying to learn and understand what happens next here. And there are nine Americans who remain hostage, some maybe by Hamas, some by outside uh, militant groups. You, you've, you're very uh, you're an expert on the region, I should say. What happens now with these negotiations between Hamas and the Qataris and the Egyptians and also these outside militant groups uh, as we're trying to t- get these Americans home? Well, Jen, I think the effort is to build on these first three days, which is a very hopeful sign because it appears as though both sides have adhered to the terms of the agreement sufficiently to allow the other side to follow through with its obligations in terms of releasing hostages as well as releasing prisoners. And so I do think that, as President Biden so directly stated, it is the intention of the U.S. government to extend this pause for however long as possible to try to get out more hostages, including the other Americans that are still being detained by Hamas, as well as maybe by some other Palestinian militant groups. So I do think the goodwill, if I can use that term right now in this situation, that has been built up in terms of the adherence to the agreement so far by both sides is something that the Qataris, the Americans, the Egyptians and the Israelis can capitalize on and see whether or not there can be an extension of this in addition to be able to bring more humanitarian aid into Gaza so that the people who have been suffering for the past seven weeks are able to get some relief. Ben, Hamas is claiming, uh, as I was just asking Director Brennan about, that they don't have control over roughly 100 hostages. How confident do you think the U.S. government can be that Hamas can locate and get a hold of these people? As you know, everyone's trying to understand who these groups are and, and how actually we can get those hostages back. Well, we really can't know. And as John said, in these kinds of situations, the only thing you know is whether or not the party you're dealing with can deliver on something they say they're going to Mm -hmm. do. And so you're testing with each agreement, with each day, essentially, what Hamas is capable of delivering here. Uh, I think this is a multifaceted circumstance, right, where not a lot of people have a lot of eyes into Gaza. Um, and, And particularly when the military operation is ongoing, it is surely a chaotic scene in the capacity to locate and co-locate hostages and and to move them uh, out of Gaza is really impossible. It takes this kind of pause in in order to to probably co-locate and move hostages. Uh, I think what we have learned, though, is this capacity to kind of work through Qatar and Egypt to Hamas to people on the ground. I mean, this is, you know, an elaborate game of telephone, essentially, where you have Hamas political leadership uh, in uh, Qatar. You have uh, contacts through the Egyptians. You have, I'm sure, Hamas leadership in Gaza. But then you probably have a, a diffuse set of hostages in lots of different hands here. Uh, and there is an effort, uh, I'm sure, by Hamas to try to uh, have a uh, capacity to identify them. But but really, uh, I think all we can have confidence in is what is delivered on a day day-to-day basis here. Um, and, and I think what we have learned, however, is that diplomacy is the most effective means uh, of extracting hostages and getting them back to loved ones, that trying to do that in a very violent and chaotic military environment is much, much more difficult than doing it with a pause like this. 
What we're watching right now, some footage from Egyptian TV. We don't know that these are the hostages. We'll bring more footage to everyone as we get more details confirmed and more becomes available. Director Brennan, one of the factors here is, is of course, what Hamas will do during this time of a pause in the fighting. And as much as there is, as you said, some goodwill perhaps being developed among all the parties, there, there is the suggestion that they could be rebuilding um, their capacities. Is that an area you think there should be concern about? Well, I think we have to be concerned, but also I think it needs to be understood that Hamas is not a monolith. You have individuals within Hamas that are the most brutal, barbaric terrorists that perpetrated the attacks on October 7th. But you also have those who are much less extreme, more pragmatic, those who are really are concerned about the welfare of the Palestinian people in Gaza, the ones who recognize that there is some benefit to this pause mm -hmm. and this engagement with the United States and Qatar and the Egyptians. And so, therefore, I think there's a spectrum of folks. And there's probably divisions within Hamas right now about the way forward, mm -hmm. because I'm sure that some of the militant core wants to go forward and try to reposition their forces so that they can then attack Israeli troops once this pause ends. But also, I think there are some within Hamas that recognize that there needs to be some way to alleviate the suffering of the Palestinian people and to not just continue to escalate this, because it clearly is they're going to be outgunned, to be outmanned. And ultimately, Hamas is going to, as a terrorist organization, it will be destroyed. Hamas is the organization, I think, is going to be forever illegitimate. But the Palestinian people in Gaza ultimately will need to have somebody representing them mm -hmm. that is going to be able to advance their very legitimate interests. This is such an, and we've talked a lot about the next day plan or what the next day plan actually is. And Ben, I want to ask you, I mean, there, there is, Israel is facing a great deal of international pressure, including from within the United States, over civilian deaths in Gaza. And the pressure is only likely to intensify, especially as we see more happening and more of the devastation on the ground. What will you be watching for over the next couple of days or weeks in terms of a shift globally, a shift within the United States about the type of support that um, global powers are willing to provide to Israel? Well, I think, first of all, uh, Israel had been proceeding with clearly maximalist objectives in their military operation, kind of working methodically through the north of Gaza and, and really having plans to move to the south, where there are uh, up to two million people, many of whom are displaced from their homes. Uh, and you also had Prime Minister Netanyahu indicating that there was going to be this kind of open-ended Israeli administration of Gaza, uh, which is directly contradicting what President Biden has said, which is he does not want to see reoccupation of Gaza, and they would like to see a Palestinian governing authority, perhaps the Palestinian Authority itself, uh, assume control of Gaza. So what I'm watching is, Jen, I think if this military operation resumes at the scale that it was at, I think that the international blowback to that is going to be very severe, because we've never seen civilian casualties like this. Uh, there are nearly 15,000 people dead. There are also probably... I don't know, a million people who are homeless, whose homes have been destroyed, what's going to happen to them? What is the long-term plan? I think what the world is really going to be pressing and the United States is going to be pressing, what is the plan here? What is the end game? Where does this end? Um, because if, it, if it's just an ongoing open-ended military operation, you're going to continue to see death on this scale because it is such a densely packed area. And there's not an answer to the question of who's going to administer Gaza and what's going to happen to all these people who've lost their homes uh, and what is their plan to rebuild here. And so what I'd be watching for, Jen, is does the military operation resume at the scale that it was at or is it more targeted? Uh, is there a clear uh, a, 
you know, coming together of the Israeli and American and international positions about what the future of Gaza is? And if not, does the Biden administration move to, I think, a more willingness to publicly differ from the Netanyahu government on this? Because thus far, they've tried to hug them in, in public and, and deliver tough messages in private. I think that's going to get harder and harder if the military operation resumes at the scale it was at. The only other thing I want to say, Jen, because it's important, is that it's not reverting to an October 6 status quo. Uh, because part of what happened is Israel's guard was down on October 7th. I don't think there's any scenario in which that border is not heavily, heavily manned by the IDF mm -hmm. and in which they're taking shots at anything that they see that Hamas is doing that they don't like. And so I think we do have to be clear here that I think Israel is going to be more secure, even uh, without an ongoing military operation, than they were uh, on the day that the attack took place. And that's a good thing, obviously. And that should allow for a space for conversation about what is the future of Gaza and how do we address the humanitarian and, frankly, political crisis there. The future of Gaza, this is such a big question. There probably hasn't been enough focus on. And you've been raising this from weeks ago, uh, kind of what happens next. Because there is Hamas, there is the political faction. Uh, there are not other countries in the region that necessarily want to govern Gaza. What does it look like and what should we all be watching? It's so hard to tell. And I think we have to take this day by day. Mm -hmm. uh, but looking out into the future, it's clear that the Israeli military is going to remain inside of Gaza for quite a bit of time. There's no way that they're going to pull out and just allow Hamas to reconstitute itself there. So there's going to be some type of Israeli presence to try to ensure that their, Hamas does not pose that terrorist threat to Israel. But then we have to find a way for the Palestinian people to be working with the fellow Arab states as well as with the international community to see whether or not there can be some semblance of a governing authority that is going to be able to take uh, take care of the Palestinian people. But this is something that I think is going to be very long. It's going to be very complicated and very difficult. But I, I do think it's going to be impossible for the Palestinian people by themselves to be able to reemerge from this crisis, uh, this conflict, this devastation of Gaza by themselves. They're going to need the, the resources of the Arab states, of the Qataris and the Saudis and others. But they also, I think, need some international support from the United States and multilateral organizations that are going to help them rebuild Gaza, both physically as well as figuratively in mm. terms of being able to put back in place something. But this has to take place along with the discussions about having the Palestinian aspirations for a Palestinian state realized. There has to be some track there. And it can't be just Gaza separately from the West Bank. It has to be the Palestinian people overall that really need to realize the legitimate rights and aspirations that they have sought for so long. And that's going to require a change of, of Netanyahu's mm. government and the Israeli government to be able to say— Meaning new leadership. I think new leadership is definitely going to be required here. But this is going to take a bit of time. But there needs to be a process that's put in place that's going to be supported and endorsed by the international community, by the Palestinian people, and by the Israelis themselves. Do you think if and when fighting starts again that Israel will take a less maximalist approach? I think they're facing significant pressure from the Biden administration right now to, as Ben says, to reduce the scale and scope of the strikes. They have to be more precise in terms of their targeting. They have to think about proportionality. They have to think about distinguishing between civilian and militant targets. This is something that I think that they cannot just repeat what they've done over the last six and a half weeks or so before this pause, because 
the international condemnation of Israel is growing. And the United States, if we start to publicly uh, criticize and even condemn what Israel is doing, it's really going to hurt Israel. And so therefore, I do think that maybe this period of pause not just is going to result in the release of some of these hostages and prisoners, but also is going to give the Israeli military and Israeli government officials the time to recalibrate what they're doing to try to address directly the terrorist threat but not cause the great devastation and bloodshed that these seven weeks or so of strikes have, have resulted have seen. in. Well, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. We are seeing some footage of Red Cross vans with hostages. They're arriving at the Rafa crossing right now. So we'll see some footage, hopefully, of hostages getting off uh, of these buses uh, and vans, as we've seen over the last couple of days. Ben, I wanted to ask you just about domestically and what's happening here in the United States, because there's unquestionably we have seen a very strong reaction and opposition, I think it's fair to say, especially from young people to uh, the actions of Israel um, in Gaza. Do you and also there's been some in Congress who've been calling for conditioning of aid. I wanted to ask you just it hasn't been an overwhelming number of people calling for conditioning of aid at, at this point. But you've seen movements like this in Congress before. Do you anticipate this will be a real question Congress is considering? And how are you viewing the politics of this in the United States at this point? Well, I mean, Jen, I think we should just be honest that there's a pretty significant disconnect between the majority of Democrats elected in Congress um, and really key elements of the Democratic base, young people, voters of color, Arab and Muslim voters who aren't just kind of casually observing this and, and disapproving. I think there's an intensity of, of, of people feeling like they don't see themselves in an American policy that offers a blank check of support to the kind of uh, suffering that we're seeing in Gaza. Um, and the idea of seeking billions and billions and billions of dollars in assistance uh, for a military effort that is killing this number of civilians, um, I think that this is a real issue. Uh, and it, it, again, like I said, there's an intensity to it. And I think that there's good questions that younger people are asking. Like if the administration is saying that they believe that the Israeli military campaign has to take into account the lives of Palestinian civilians, have to follow the laws of war. But if there's absolutely no consequence, if Israel doesn't heed that advice, then what exactly is our leverage here? So I do think you're going to see more and more voices calling for conditioning of assistance based on the proportionality or based on regard for civilian casualties, but also based on this question of what the end game is here. If there's not an Israel, this keep in mind, this Israeli government under Netanyahu is not committed to a two-state solution. They don't believe in a two-state solution, uh, and they have uh, some of the most aggressive settler constituencies pushing deeper into the West Bank to make a two-state solution impossible. That was the policy of the Netanyahu government uh, when this war began. And so I think that the logical questions that I think are going to start to be asked by some Democratic members of Congress is, how can we not condition assistance on an Israeli government at least having a commitment to a two-state solution, at least agreeing to rein in the kind of settler violence that we've seen in the West Bank, at least agreeing to try to follow the laws of war in their military campaign in Gaza? I don't believe, Jen, that that's going to probably be a majority of the Democratic caucus, but I do think that that's something that a number of senators and, and members of the House are going to start to push. And I also think that this is a sentiment that is going to continue to come up from particularly younger voters in the Democratic Party. And that's not going to go away. I, I think this is an issue that people Direct really deeply care about. 
No, it is. It's, it's such an interesting almost movement among young people and so many people in the Democratic base to watch. I know you've been closely watching SFI. Director Brennan, I mean, one of, beyond the domestic politics here around the world, if you were sitting in your old job, part of your responsibility would probably be to be staying in connection and rebuilding some of these relationships with countries in the Arab world who may be frustrated about the role of the United States. What are those conversations look like, sound like? Most of them are happening behind the scenes, of course. Well, I think there's general consensus that Israel's security needs to be assured. And so there's a recognition that we need to do everything possible, mm -hmm. collectively, internationally, to make sure that terrorists are not able to carry out these atrocious attacks. At the same time, though, I do think sympathy for the Palestinian people is growing and sympathy for the Israelis is dwindling mm -hmm. because they recognize that this large-scale death in Gaza of 14, 16,000, whatever, including so many women and children, is something that needs to stop. And therefore, they see that Israel has this big, powerful military that's just pummeling the residents of, of Gaza. So I, I do think that this international support that Israel has enjoyed for many years, but does, is dwindling, especially among the developing nations and countries that really are, are identifying with the Palestinian people. Those individuals who have long sought freedom and liberty themselves see that the Palestinians for the past 75 years have not been able to realize those legitimate rights and freedoms that they deserve. So this is something that I think Netanyahu is, has been ignoring for so long, mm -hmm. but this is something that I think most of the Israeli people, I'd like to think that most of the Israeli people recognize that just like Israel has a right to exist peacefully, so too does a Palestinian state have a right to exist. And there needs to be mutual recognition on both sides about the other's rights. Director Brennan, thank you so much for bringing your expertise here on such an interesting day. Ben Rhodes, thank you as always for joining us. Our breaking news coverage continues after this quick break. Stay with us. Two days ago, two days ago, one of our fellow Americans, a little girl named Abigail, turned four years old. She spent her birthday, that birthday, and at least 50 days before that held hostage by Hamas. <clears throat> Today, she's free, and Jill and I, together with so many Americans, are praying for the fact that she is going to be all right. You know, she's free, and she's in Israel now. Moments ago, President Biden spoke about the release of an American hostage. Four-year-old Abigail Idana just celebrated her birthday on Friday. Joining me now with more is Eamon Mulhaldeen. He's the host of Eamon on MSNBC, and he has reported extensively from the region and from Gaza. And Eamon, thank you so much for joining me and also for keeping us all so informed throughout the last 50 days. I, I wanted to start just by asking you about your reaction to what you've seen over the last couple of days. What are people not talking about or, or what has stuck out to you? Well, I think the most important thing is the mechanism of releasing the hostages and creating a diplomatic framework that now is clearly working to deliver both the safe passage of hostages back to Israel, but at the same time allowing for uh, humanitarian aid to be delivered into Gaza, the release of Palestinians that have been held inside Israeli jails being returned to their families. So what is clearly established over the past couple of days, which is what I think a lot of the, the officials I've been speaking to in the region are hopeful about, is that this diplomatic mechanism, this framework for dialogue that has allowed the last three days to bear fruit can actually be prolonged. Now, keep in mind, this was something that certainly the Qataris believe 
could have been established much earlier on in this conflict when this war broke out. Uh, they had actually shown to the Americans and the Israelis that Hamas, based on what they were saying publicly and willing to do on the ground with the release of the two Americans and the two Israelis early on, they were prepared to enter into this kind of framework. But here we are uh, almost seven and a half weeks later, and, and it has taken hold. And I think now the focus is on how do they build on this momentum to prolong it so that the suffering uh, in Gaza comes to an end. And you've done, Eamon, some really interesting reporting on the role of the Qataris um, in this. Explain to us a little bit more about why there was that delay, why it didn't happen earlier, as you reported. So according to the uh, sources I've been speaking to, Jen, um, when this conflict broke out, when the attack happened on October 7th, the terrorist attack against Israel happened on October 7th, um, it was clear from that moment that Qatar was going to play an important role for one very simple reason, that Hamas's leadership, its political leadership, resides right now in Doha. So they were able to gather the leaders of Hamas there uh, and begin to speak to them about what had happened, what they knew about these hostages, uh, and more importantly, why they wanted to take uh, these civilian hostages. And from that moment on, it became clear that the chaotic situation that unfolded after October 7th uh, included many layers of information that I think we are still learning about. Who kidnapped all of the hostages? Who is responsible for them? Which Palestinian faction? had them under their control. Uh, and as the Qataris began to assess that information, relay to the Americans, relay to counterparts they were talking to uh, inside Israel, uh, it was clear that Hamas was willing to release some of these hostages, certainly the civilian hostages, that it said it had no interest in, in keeping. And so the pressure began to mount uh, from the Qataris with the Americans on the Israelis as to whether or not the priority of the operation, the military operation of going into Gaza, was going to be about releasing the hostages or as they claimed, to try and destroy Hamas. And it seemed certainly to the negotiators that those odds in the beginning were uh, somewhat uh, contradictory, that if you really wanted to release the hostages, as had been demonstrated, there was going to be this attempt, as the, uh, as the military wing of Hamas showed, they were willing to release the civilians without any precondition. So Qatar played an important role in being able to begin that confidence-building measure. But uh, there are certainly things and calculations that the Israeli government was making that were not privy to anybody else as to why they still went ahead uh, with the bombardment, the ground invasion, uh, up until what we saw three days ago. Such interesting reporting. I encourage everybody to read it. He's written, he's written about this. Eamon, I want to ask you, I mean, tomorrow is day four of a four-day pause. What happens on day five, six, and seven? Some of this we don't know, but what are you expecting? What are you watching for? Well, the first thing I'm watching for is whether or not Hamas is able to consolidate the remaining hostages that Israel believes currently exist inside the Gaza Strip. And I say that because what emerged from the early days of the reporting around this was that Hamas was telling the intermediaries they did not have all of the hostages that were being reported to be missing under its control. Some had been taken by other Palestinian faction groups, including uh, Islamic Jihad. Others had been taken by Palestinian gangs and smugglers and individuals. So Hamas was trying to say to their intermediaries that if you wanted us to try and consolidate all of these hostages that you say are currently inside the Gaza Strip, you would have to give us time. You'd have to pause the war so that we can find out where they are and try to bring them under our control so that we can secure their release. The reason why we were able to get a four day truce is because they were able to establish and demonstrate that they had at least 50 hostages in their custody at the beginning of the truce. So we knew that they could guarantee the release of at least 50 hostages. They have claimed that they have about 70 hostages that are Israeli soldiers that they will not be released 
until more negotiations and a complete cessation of the violence. So you can take those 70 or so Israeli soldiers out of the mix for now, but that leaves about 100 or so that are still unaccounted for. And so Hamas is saying to the international mediators, certainly to the Qataris and the Egyptians, if you want to prolong this ceasefire, then we will be able to go out, find out where these other hostages are inside the Gaza Strip, bring them into our control under our consolidated um, control and begin to release them as we have been doing with these civilians. But if the war resumes, we will not be able to guarantee the safety of the remaining civilians that you claim are inside Gaza being held by other factions or other Palestinians. This is such an important thing to watch, as you just outlined, because all of these hostages, as you just explained, are not necessarily with Hamas. They could be with these other militant groups. Hamas is responsible for negotiating with these groups. It's a very challenging situation. Eamon, thank you so much for all of your reporting and also for joining me this afternoon. And our breaking news coverage continues after this quick break. Congressman Eric Swalwell. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Standing by. Stay with us. Welcome back. We're continuing to follow breaking news out of Israel and Gaza. Today, 50 days after the October 7th attack, 17 additional hostages were released, including four-year-old American Abigail Idan. Joining me now is Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell of California. I wanted to start, we've all been watching and reading about Abigail's story and just get your reaction watching these hostages release and also hear about her release. I'm thrilled that she's with her family and what remaining family she has. She's lost her parents. She spent her fourth birthday in Gaza on Friday, and I've met with her family. I, I you know, know some of the members of the family, and she's the first American uh, to be released. And, and so that that's a good thing. Uh, and with three little kids of my own, you know, you just you don't want to see any more children in this conflict hurt. We were just talking about how, because our yeah. kids are similar in ages, yeah. just thinking about the older siblings watching their three-year-old sister hide under yeah. the bed. I just can't even imagine that. Um, moments ago, President Biden also spoke, and he said he hopes the truce can be extended as long as possible. Let's just take a quick listen to what he had to say. How many days would you like to see the pause go on for? I would like to see us move to a point where we were able to, uh, well, let me put it this way. I'd like to see the pause go on as long as prisoners kept coming out. 
There's a lot to weigh here, yeah. obviously, because obviously bringing every moment to somebody who's reunited with their family is a joyful moment and what has been a very difficult, horrific situation to watch. There's obviously been thousands of casualties, civilian casualties on the ground. What is your hope in terms of how long this truce extends, what the conditions should be? Every hostage needs to return to their family. And, and, and so I, I think first, you know, that has to be the priority, including Americans coming home. Hamas has to be defeated, can no longer rule over Gaza. And Israel has a, you know, supreme responsibility, you know, to protect against the loss of innocent life and allow humanitarian aid to come in and also commit in a way that we've not seen in the past to making sure that Palestinians and uh, the Jewish people can each have a state of their own uh, and, and have economic prosperity uh, and safety. There's nothing easy about this. I mean, th this is a complex uh, conflict that has raged on uh, for decades. Uh, but if the United States is going to be involved, those are expectations that we must have. Watching the situation on the ground has also, of course, been devastating. Uh, the loss of civilian life yeah. in Gaza, the lack of food, water, more trucks are going in, more needs to happen. Some of your colleagues have called for conditioning of aid to Israel. Yeah. What, what do you think of that? Well, we, we should have expectations that Israel commits to a two-state solution, that uh, Israel you know, does allow humanitarian aid in. But we should support their efforts to defeat Hamas, because uh, Hamas uh, will continue, uh, you know, to bring a barbaric attack against the Jewish people and, and people uh, like the United in the United States, who they have also declared uh, as their enemy. Again, th there's nothing easy about this high wire act of defeating Hamas, protecting innocent Palestinians uh, and, and protecting uh, the Jewish state. Uh, but uh, if you step back, I, I think you have to be an aggressive listener in, in this situation. My district has one of the largest Muslim American and Arab populations in the country and understand uh, the Islamophobia that they're experiencing, the family members they have uh, in this conflict, and also to understand that anti-Semitism is at a peak in this country right now. And parents are concerned about their kids being out in the community. You can do all of that. You can say Hamas is a terrorist state. You can say Israel should protect against innocent life. You can be pro-Palestinian, anti-Hamas, and pro-Jewish state and against the leadership of Israel right now uh, and, and not be uh, you know, contradictory. Uh, and you just, as I say, you'd have to be an aggressive listener right now. And I think, and we'll all be better off and the policy will be better if that's the approach we take. Would you like to see the United States doing more to pressure Prime Minister Netanyahu to take more steps to reduce civilian casualties? Yes. And I, well, first, President Biden has done that. And I also like to step back uh, when I see some of the heat President Biden is mm -hmm. taking and think, what would the alternative be? If Donald Trump was reelected or if Donald Trump was president at this time, can you imagine what the scenario would be in the Middle East? It would probably be the United States and Israel in a World War III-like scenario with Iran, Hezbollah, and Hamas. President Biden has not sent a single American into the conflict, but he is now pulling American hostages out of the conflict. We're supporting Israel. We're getting aid uh, into the region. So far, we've held off other enemies of Israel and America. That's why President Biden was elected. And, and that's why I think he needs to be given, you know, the room uh, to negotiate, you know, what is ultimately a resolution to this conflict. Congressman Eric Swalwell, thank you so much. So much to My discuss pleasure. with you in a future conversation about Congress, Absolutely. about families with different political views. I hope you'll come back My very pleasure. soon. Thanks, Jen. Uh, that does it for me today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern, where we'll bring you updates on all of this and more. And of course, we'll be back next Sunday at noon Eastern.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.